brokenness is the path to healing. And uh, I don't know about you, but if you think about that idea, brokenness is the path to healing. There is a recognition that we've committed wrong, and we're talking about Hezekiah today. If the people were, uh, of uh, Judah were trusting in their military resources, and said the commander, they were really in trouble. Oh, for me, thank you very much. But they didn't have sufficient horses or enough cavalrymen to put on them. And, uh, you know, if the king's going to make a bargain uh, with Sennacherib, this, the uh, Assyrians would stop the siege and the people's lives would be spared. Here in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 26, the scenario as we pick up where we left off last week, uh, the truth here is that <clears throat> uh, the Assyrian army is coming against Judah. And Judah is now, they've, they've, they've stopped the water from going out, and uh, they're making bold statements against Judah and King Hezekiah. And uh, in verse 27 of 2 Kings, let's look at 26 and 27. Then said Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah, unto Rabshakeh, speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language. For we understand it, and talk not with us in the Jews' language. In the ears of the people that are on the wall, but Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master, and to thee, to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? Well, what he's trying to do, Rabshakeh is trying to come in and he's trying to discourage the people from, uh, from listening to God, from following their commander. They're trying, he's trying to pull the hearts of the people away from the person who is leading them towards God. And so as you think on this, <clears throat> in verse, uh, 2 Chronicles 36, 12, let me read this for you. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. But uh, Hezekiah did at one time, he was arrogant. But he's humbled himself, God humbled him, God had a great way of doing that. But uh, the field commander begins his speech to the Jewish people, the, those of Judah, saying, if you don't surrender... If you don't give in, I'm going to destroy you like I destroyed all the others. The prophet Isaiah had told Hezekiah that God would defend Jerusalem and destroy the Assyrians. And it was this promise that, gave, that the king gave to the people. Hezekiah goes back to the scriptures. He goes back to what the truth that has been given. And he says, listen, the Assyrians will be destroyed. Will you trust God? You see, the Word of God can be trusted. It was written several thousand years ago, but it is still to be trusted. You go back, Isaiah gave the promises, and Hezekiah says, I have nothing new to give. I'm going to give you what God has said. Hey, we can be victorious. Look at 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 6. You know, sometimes it's just going back to the old truths. It's going back to the truth of what is right to recenter yourself upon the foundation. 
We've got to get ourselves upon the idea and the foundation that Jesus Christ is my foundation. That I want to follow Christ. I want to make everyone look at Christ and, and, and see him, who he is. As I live out my life, I want it to be a living testimony of the goodness and the greatness of God. Second Kings chapter 20, verse 6, And I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city. Look with me here at the prophecy of Isaiah. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. My friend, Isaiah has the truth of God. God told him, let's look at Isaiah 38, a parallel idea here. And so in Isaiah chapter 38... You see, Christians, sometimes in our lives, we believe that we can go ahead of God, that I know better than God, that I know better than those uh, you know, in the leadership and Hezekiah, that I know better than them, and I'll do it my way. But as Jeremiah would attest, and as <clears throat> others there uh, that had followed uh, the advice of uh, Rabshakeh and the Assyrians, it had not ended well for them. Isaiah 38, verse 4, Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, this is uh, Isaiah 38, verse 4, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. I mean, this commander... This commander knows much about the affairs of Hezekiah, Rabshakeh, who is a messenger of Sennacherib. Rabshakeh paints a glowing picture of what would happen if Judah surrenders. Things will go well, there'll be peace in the land. But I want you to understand with me, the enemy is always going to make an offer. They'll always make an offer. There is always that fatal until attached to it. He makes a fatal mistake. Coming back to 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 33. Rabshakeh makes this statement. Hath any, 2 Kings 18, 33, Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? 2 Kings 18, 34. Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvim, Hena, and Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? He makes a very illogical argument. Rabshakeh says, no one has delivered from my hand. And that is true. However, he doesn't understand who the God of Israel, the God of the earth, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he doesn't understand who the creator God is. Yes, you can defeat the idols of powerless nations, but you cannot overcome the all-powerful, true, and living God. In, command, in obedience to Hezekiah, 
The people on the wall, as they hear Rabshakeh speaking, they said not a word. Hezekiah said, don't, don't answer him a word. You know, sometimes it's best just to say nothing. Then we come to a little further passage here. Let's look at verse 35. Who are they among all the gods of the countries? Verse 35 of 2 Kings 18. Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that, uh, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand? But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which is over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent. So he tears the clothes and told him the words of Rabshakeh. And it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes, he tears his clothes, and covered himself with sackcloth, which is a clothing, much like kind of like a, a burlap sack or potato sacks, uh, a clothing of sorrow and mourning, and went into the house of the Lord, and he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. They said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there is no, not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So the servants of king Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto him, Thus Shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he was departed from Lachish. And when he had heard, say of Terhar, uh, Terharka, king of Ethiopia, behold, he has come out to fight against thee. He sent messengers again unto Hezekiah. Thus, do you see what's going on here? He makes this bold, blasphemous uh, statement against God, and then as we're looking here, the uh, Ethiopian king comes against him, so he has to leave uh, his attack on Judah, and he has to go defend his own homeland. Guess what God does? And when he heard say of Terharka, king of Ethiopia, behold, he's come out to fight against thee, he sent messengers again unto Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly, and shalt thou be delivered. Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed, as Gozim and Haran and Rezeph, and the children of Eden, which were in uh, Thalasser. Where is the king of Hamath, and the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of Sepharvim, of Hena and Iba? What is this king doing? What is this king doing? This king, if you think about it, he's trying, he says, listen, I've got to go back home, defend my country from the king of Ethiopia, and uh, I've got to do it so that, <clears throat> uh, but, but I'm coming back, Judah. I'm coming back to you. I'm going to make it your life difficult for you. No one has delivered out of my hand. How dare you? I don't want to leave, but I've got to go back and defend my country. What, did, what happened here? 
Hezekiah and the men of the place, they got on their faces and they began to pray and they began to seek God for help. They began to get, uh, get alone with God. They began to say, I want to get the heart of God on this matter. We are in trouble. We, are, we have a, a great enemy against us. We have a lot of opposition. They were not so arrogant. They, they, they understood Rabshakeh was blaspheming their God and instead of saying, you're a bunch of blasphemers, they got before the Almighty God, the living God, the judge, and they said, judge, here's what they're doing and we need your help. You see, Christian, it would do us well to humble ourselves and come when the attacks are coming to humble ourselves, get alone with God, and just pour out our hearts to Him. They need a word from the Lord. Isaiah the prophet, they ask him to pray and seek God's help. This is really the first mention of Isaiah here in the book of 2 Kings. The king Hezekiah only knows that a remnant, just a small portion of people in the land are actually faithful to God. And I find that today there's just a small remnant of people who are Christians, who are professing Christians, because there's not a lot of people that profess Christ, but they don't know Him. They don't know Him. They can live their lives however they want, and, and as they live in opposition of God, it doesn't bother them. They're not a profess, they're not a, they're not a possessing Christian. They profess, but they don't possess. And as you think on this, <clears throat> this Rabshakeh is reproaching the living God. He's speaking, and it's this remnant. It is this remnant of people that get serious about God. And their seriousness with God actually ends up sparing Judah. Christian, our church may be small. But it could very well be God's further judgment upon this city that God is staying His hand because of some believers that are standing for God. Life can get a lot more difficult. It's these people that are the lighthouse. And they hear the blasphemy. And they see the enemy coming. And they get on their faces. Because they, have, they know they have nowhere else to turn but to the true source of life. Would you look with me at Psalm 46? You see, Christian, I think we overestimate our own strength and we underestimate the power of God. I'm powerless, but I know one who's in charge. In Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, Isaiah tells Hezekiah to not be afraid. God is our refuge and strength. A very 
present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Silah. When you're in the midst of battles, and you're in the midst of opposition and impossible odds, you need to do what Hezekiah did. And get before God and pour out your heart. That enemy is attacking ferociously. It's coming against the nation of Judah with such ferocity, with such passion. Their pride would be their downfall. And God steps in, and the king of Ethiopia comes, and the Assyrian king has to flee back. A fearful spirit would come upon him. He would have a war. There was the king of Egypt coming to Judah, which meant that Sennacherib would have to wage war on two fronts. You have the king of Egypt, you have the Ethiopian king, and he's just fighting, 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 fighting. The king doesn't want to leave. The Assyrian king doesn't want to leave. He, he said, I'm only temporarily leaving, but I'm coming back. He wants to keep you afraid. He wants to keep you living in fear. We let him so many times. We let the enemy produce a fear in us, a crippling fear, a quaking fear. That I can't defeat this. I'm already defeated. Instead of getting back to the book, getting to the God who has the answers and saying, I need some help. Or looking to the authority as Isaiah, a prophet, looking to the king uh, who had a relationship with God. Uh, people, is, when you're in the battles, you come and you ask someone who, whom, who walks with God, you ask an authority, leadership, help me to get alone with God. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 32.20. You know, our theme for this year is no restraint for God, no retreat from Thee. No retreat from Thee. It was, as you remember in our passage of Scripture, if you, if you do remember it, there in 1 Samuel 14, when Jonathan would see 600 men of Saul cowering in fear to the Philistines. Jonathan said, "If God, he was sick and tired of just sitting back in fear, living in fear, living in bondage of what the enemy's attacking us, and look at all the damage that could come. He said, let's move forward. He goes over that ravine. He goes down into the valley. The Philistines invite him up. He said, hey, God's for us. And they defeat two men, Jonathan 
and his armor bearer would defeat and kill 25 Philistines, which would so encourage the rest of the 600 who were living in fear to move forward and have a mighty victory that day that God did because there were two people that just simply believed God. We as believers need to look at who God is. We don't just talk about him being almighty God. We don't just talk about him being all-powerful. We don't just talk about him being the creator. This book is a manual for how I live my life. When opposition and hard times and pain comes, I look to this book as the instruction manual for how to orchestrate my life. God has been mightily, I mean, God is just in my own life. He, as over and over here at this church as things happen, and, and he's saying, hey, did you come to me and ask me? I'm the one that's the head of this church. I said, you're right, Lord. I need to come to my supervisor. I need to come to my boss. It's Jesus that's the boss. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 20, And for this cause Hezekiah the king and, Am and, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. When the enemy was attacking, they got alone with God and they cried. They poured their heart out to God. They held nothing back. Hezekiah looked beyond his throne. He looked beyond the throne of the great Sennacherib and he focused his attention on the throne of God. Isaiah 37, 14, And Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messenger. Excuse me. In the hand of the messengers, and read it, and Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Psalm 99.1, The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. Hezekiah is not a high priest, so he can't enter into the holy of holies, but he can sure get alone with God. At the end of each mercy seat was a cherub, and the mercy seat was the throne of God on earth. And upon the Ark of the Covenant, there sits the mercy seat. Not only is God the Lord and the King of Israel, but He's the King of all nations. Hezekiah was fully immersed in the worship of God, of how great He is. He had one great burden upon his heart. He said, I want my God to be glorified. I want my God to be glorified. And when you and I'm talking, and when I in my own life, I begin to say, I want the praises of man, I want the adoration of man, I steal it from God, and I begin to go in a direction that is very dangerous. But Hezekiah says, I don't want to be seen as great in this situation. Some people will rush into the Lord's presence whenever they face a problem, but the Lord never hears their voices at any other time. How many people, when the hard times are coming, please pray to God for me to help me in this bad situation. And yet, they never, God never hears their voices to rejoice and praise God just because of who he is. When things are going well, God never hears from them. Hezekiah says, I want my people, I want, God, I want God's people, I want them to know that God is God. And Hezekiah would be a victor here. Coming to uh, 2 Kings chapter 19. Are you concerned in your life 
for the glory of God above everything else. You want God to be praised, not on how you dealt with situations and problems, not on how you solved difficulties in your life, but you want the glory of God to be first and foremost in everything. You want God to be glorified in your life. You want God to be glorified in your house. You want God to be glorified in your work. You want God to be glorified. All you care is that people will look to God and say how wonderful he is. You want to protect the image and the name of God more than anything else. And sometimes Hezekiah may have looked weak. Where's our king? Where'd he go to? Mighty King Hezekiah. Oh, yeah, that king, he's crying. He's in the back room, he's crying. You know that prophet Isaiah? Yeah, he's with him too. They're on their face before God crying like a bunch of babies. See, if you're a leader, that's where you need to be. You need to be on your face. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 20, Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. This is 2 Kings 19, 20. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord hath spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, hath despised thee and laughed thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem hath shaken her head at thee. Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice? And lifted up thine eyes on high, even against the Holy One of Israel. But by thy messengers thou hast reproached the Lord, and hast said, With the multitude of my chariots, I am come up to the height of the mountains, to the sides of Lebanon, and will cut down the tall uh, cedar trees uh, thereof, and the choice fir trees thereof. And I will enter into the lodging of his borders, into the forest of his carmel. I have digged and drunk strange waters, and with the sole of my feet have I dried up all the rivers of besieged places. Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it? And of ancient times that I have formed it. Now have I brought it to pass as thou shouldest be to lay waste fenced cities into ruinous heaps. And therefore their inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the, green, the grass of the field and as the green herb, as the grass on the housetops and as corn blasts before it be grown up. But I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in and thy rage against me. Because thy rage against me. And thy tumult has come up into mine ears, therefore I put my hook in thy nose and my bridle on thy lips, and I'll turn thee back by the way which thou camest. God says, listen, just like an ox, they put a big old ring through its nose, I'm going to pull him back, and you're not coming against my people anymore. Hezekiah had a threefold prayer that God would deliver Jerusalem, God would defeat the Assyrian army, and God would care for his own people and they would not starve. And God had used Assyria to chasten, to discipline the northern kingdom of Israel. He'd given Sennacherib victory over even Israel, which had the name of God upon it. Now he had departed because of their idolatry. Idolatry. Idolatry is I'm in charge of my life, and I'll fix it my way. Idolatry is, I will find comfort my way. I will, I am the determination of my destiny. The idols of your life are the very things that you run to for comfort apart from running to God. <laughs> 
and God repeats the very words back to Sennacherib, saying, I got your number and you're in trouble. God had planned the conquest of the king of Assyria as they would attack and defeat Israel. God's the one that gave him the authority to defeat Israel. God's the one that gave him the enablement. God's the one that gave the wisdom to defeat Israel. Rulers today and leaders today are only victorious because God allows them to be. And God's going to treat the Assyrians like cattle. He's going to pull their noses. The Assyrians had taken possession of Israel. They'd pillaged the land, taken the fortified cities, and now they were coming against Jerusalem. How long could they hold out? But the Lord of the harvest was in control, and they would starve. Some people will see a relationship between this prophecy and Psalm 126, one of the songs of ascent, and It speaks of a dramatic deliverance of Israel. Psalm 126.4, Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the desert, as the streams in the south, excuse me. Now, (laughs) this next part. Is very encouraging. Verse 29 of 2 Kings 19. And this shall be a sign unto thee, yet ye shall eat this year such things as grow of themselves, and the second year that which springeth of the same, and in the third year sow ye and reap, and plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof, and the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward, and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth the remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall I return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake, and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night. I want to tell you, man, this, 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 this next is exciting. Man, this is like, woo! Man, I just get excited when I read this one. It came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord, one, went out and smote the camp of the Assyrians in hundred, fourscore, and 5,000. In one night, one angel kills 185,000 Assyrians. In one night. When they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adramelech and Sherezer, his son, smote him with the sword, and they escaped in the land of Armenia, and Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his stead. How dare you blaspheme my God, thinking you're above him. God says, I'll show you. One angel... One night, 185,000 men gone for eternity. Can God not deliver? Can God not do something? It takes believers to get on our face and cry out to God that there's a real enemy that is blaspheming the name of the God who deserves all praise. And we get before him and say, God, I will do whatever you want, but I need your help. And God would humiliate. And the Sennacherib said, no one can deliver out of my own hand. Okay, well, I'll just have your own sons kill you. 
That's pretty, I, I, wow. You either humble yourself or God will humble you. I can tell you pride's not a pretty thing. For the glory of his own name, and for the sake of David whom he loved, God would defend his people. Why does God bless his people today? For the sake of his own glory, because of his love for his own son who died for us. God blesses Christians because he will be glorified. God doesn't bless Christians because you and I want to be blessed. He blesses Christians that God gets the glory. If you're going to ask God to bless you so that you can have whatever you want, God's, that's not of God. Satan will give it to you, but God doesn't, want, God doesn't want you to steal his glory. Hezekiah would have great wealth and flocks and herds large storage buildings, and he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. But 2 Kings 18.5, so that after there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. He was, a, he was noted as a blessed man. Hezekiah was not only in favor with God, but he was also in favor with the people. If you look at all the kings of Judah... And when they made a preeminent focus upon themselves, look at me, look at me, I'm the king, I'm the one in charge, I'm the one that does all this, look at all the wealth that I've gotten for you, look at all this diplomacy, look at all the agreements we've made with these countries to have peace and, and all of this, and guess what God would do? Hardship, financial problems, hey, these other countries, give me taxes, 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 give me this, give me that, and problems would continue to come. Hezekiah says, I've got a problem, and I'm going to go to the one who's in charge of all. And God did a work. Blessed. You see, brokenness is the path to healing. God wants a people whose hearts and minds are only set on making him look good. And in return... You will get the protection, the peace, and the rest of God. It's about time that faith will bring us to our face. We'll call out to God to help us and strengthen us in the face of many adversaries. May we fear nothing but to discredit and harm the name of our God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for your graciousness and mercy. Lord, I yield today to thee. Thank you for being our wonderful God. I love you. God, go before us and guide us and direct us. God, help us to stay humble and broken before you. That, Lord, we can lift up your name before a world that needs to know there is one God, one Savior, in control of all. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for being so wonderful. Thank you for being so gracious and merciful. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.